on the wrestling podcast about nothing. Ever wanted to know what life was like as a WWE extra back in the dark ages? Well, we get you covered with some classic WPAN content. Also, we share the weirdest venues we've ever seen in independent pro wrestling, plus a classic promo about nothing and so much more. But first, tell them, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dimension? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing, episode 181, a production of Crackpot Podcasts. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast currently on an extended hiatus from the ring and i am all alone <laughs> yes after the huge reunion last week the big announcement Malonis is back fury seems to be on board with sticking around this week abandonment the brawler is off in nolens for roh uh, there was a battle royal for a title shot and he was the odds-on favorite of course and i'm told spoilers that he was in there till the very end, but just came up short. So instead of celebrating on Bourbon Street, he was drowning his sorrows. And as for Brian Fury, he is celebrating his wedding anniversary. And the anniversary of me being late to his wedding. And the anniversary of Ivar and Dominic Dijakovic scarfing down a few baker's dozens of wedding cupcakes. So yes, with those two elsewhere, we're going back in the archives once again we used to do two podcasts a week. You know that? Me and Malonis, we got together twice a week. Are you kidding me? Well, we did. And we did these podcasts exclusively for BDA Radio. We've mentioned BDA Radio in the past few months with the old website coming up. But BDA Radio, we did exclusive podcasts every Thursday for like a year. It's really great content. They're like hidden gems. So we want to share them with you. But before we do... BrianMalonis.com, we have word that the new t-shirt has arrived. It is in the store at BrianMalonis.com. The Beer Bears, or the Drunk Care Bears, the new cuddly design for the Bruiser and the Brawler, now available at BrianMalonis.com. You're really going to check out this shirt and uh, make your purchase now Go to BrianMalonis.com. Of course, all the other designs are there as well, including the Curtain Jerker WPAN t-shirt. A classic as always. We're talking about classic stuff today. A classic t-shirt is the WPAN shirt. So find that over at BrianMalonis.com. And why don't you go to the WPAN.com. That is the WPAN.com, our hub, our home base, our official website for the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. It's where you can find the ways to subscribe to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, all the various podcast platforms, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, hopefully more to come. And you can find these social media links. We are at the WP again on basically all social media platforms, so follow us and interact. And there are bios there, nothing for Brian Fury yet. I'm still awaiting his email. And there are photos of uh, us in various stages of our career, and uh, no nudes, so don't worry about that. 
go to the WPAN.com. That is the WPAN.com. You're bound to find uh, something out about us you didn't know before. So check out the website, the WPAN.com. You can also listen right to this podcast through that website as well. So check it out. Uh, all right. It is time to get right into the content here on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Going back a couple years, talking about some strange places to do wrestling. We're going to look back in our past to talk about the weirdest wrestling venues that there have been wrestling shows that we participated in. How did you not figure this one was going to win? Immediately when I saw the poll, I knew this one was going to win because it has a tinge of negativity in it. You think so? Yeah, I think so. It's weird. It's not bad. It's not terrible. It's not the worst. It's a tinge of a hint, a dash of negativity. (laughs) We know our audience. All right. Perhaps you're right. Perhaps you're right, Brian. Uh, So that is the winning topic. We're going to talk about the weirdest places that we've been a part of wrestling shows. Does Uh, backyard wrestling shows count? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Was it a particularly marshy backyard? No, it's just like a baseball field. <laughs> oh, baseball field. I've wrestled in baseball fields. Well, I haven't wrestled, but I've been a part of shows on it's, baseball fields. It's field. Stark Park in Manchester, New Hampshire. It's like you got like the park up top, which is like one of those parks that doesn't have like swings or anything. It's like a memorial park. And then like down like the hill, way in the back, unless you're looking for it, you don't even know it exists. There's like a baseball field, very secluded. That's why we chose it. So, yeah, you didn't pay the town to use their facility? Of course not. (laughs) I don't think the town even remembers it's there. I think there's lots of uh, nefarious activity that goes on down in that baseball field area. You think? It's very secluded. Lots of woods around it. Oh, boy. So there's lots of uh, unsavory stuff happening. Well, if there wasn't, now there is. The word is out about it. (laughs) So uh, let's talk about... Okay, let's get into the professional side of things. Because some of these venues are... Strange, weird, and uh, not quite what you think when you weird, think about wrestling shows. Weird and wild stuff. <laughs> it's like going in there and look at the 3D picture. You come out with your shirt off. Uh, okay, I'll start us off there, Kingpin. How about wrestling at an arcade? A little different. Is that good times? Well, good times is one, but that was, it wasn't as odd because they had a separate room. It, well, they, they did it in two places at Good Times Emporium. That's a, a famous venue in the Boston area. It was actually in Somerville, Massachusetts. Good Times Emporium. It was an arcade. Uh, you know, uh, one of these things that is now like uh, what's it? What's the uh, Bill and Bob's? What's the uh, one place now? to be? Uh, <laughs> 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 what's the the big Dave and Buster's? Not Bill and Bob's. Bill and Bob's. <laughs> Dave and Buster's. It's like it was like that back in the day. And but they had a separate room that they would use. They would also do it on the main floor, but they would have curtains. They would they would curtain it off, so you could still hear all the like the noises of the video games going on. But it was its own place. But there was a it's place very, very apropos because you are one of the curtain jerkers of pro wrestling podcasting. Now, Thanks so. very much. <laughs> as are you. And so there's one. Of Connecticut also that I did for NWA New England, but this wasn't quite as uh, secluded from the rest of the thing. It was kind of like right in the middle. It was like they moved the Cubert and Dig Dug machines out of the way <laughs> <laughs> just to sit a ring down in the middle of all this stuff. All right, makes sense. It was uh, 
a weird place to do wrestling because, like I said, there's all this going on. You can hear like the Spy Hunter theme in the background over there. There's a kid uh, playing the whack a mole game like three yards away. Everything was like right. You really dating yourself, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a little ways back. Whack a mole. Do you even remember what the hell that is at this point? Of course, of course. Everyone knows whack a mole. Let us know at the WBA on a Twitter. Uh, but this was the show also that I've talked about where a referee was uh, temporarily paralyzed through a tombstone pile driver. Okay. So just think of the juxtaposition of me standing or kneeling over this referee. He's telling me that he cannot feel his arms or legs. Uh, Just a spoiler alert. He completely recovered and he's fine to this day. But just think of me hearing from this guy that... He cannot move his arms and legs. He cannot get up. He cannot move. And in the background, I'm hearing like the Super Mario Brothers <laughs> theme. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is just a, a very strange juxtaposition. And uh, the very epitome of at least that day and age of professional wrestling, independent professional wrestling was, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. So that was uh, the first thing that came to mind when I thought of weird wrestling venues. Well, you got Kingpin. Well, I guess along those lines, I mean, it happened this year, actually. It happened a few months ago. I wrestled in the food court of a mall. Just like right in the middle of the food court. So you talk about they cleared out the Cubert machine. They cleared out all the tables in the in the food court. And right in the middle, like there's a pizza shop over here. There's a little pub thing. There's like a Chinese place. I think there was like a D'Angelo's or something. And then right smack dab in the middle, here's a professional wrestling ring. This mall too, like this mall looks like straight out of like, just like the rest of Western Massachusetts. It looks like Western Massachusetts just got to like 1988 and just said, you know what? We're good here. We're good. We're going to stay in 1988. We're not going to get out of it. So you say it's a dirt mall? It wasn't like it was unclean or anything. It just, it looks like it hadn't been updated in 30 years. Like, but, but again, right in the middle of the food court. So you can go get a slice of pie and watch the Kingpin wrestle Wrecking Ball Ligurski at the same time. Well, you could have got a slice of pie too while you were wrestling Wrecking Ball Ligurski. I did right after the match. The pizza sucked. Really? <laughs> I was going to ask, is there a way you could parlay your uh, fame in the ring to go over and get free pizza or free Chinese food? Or no, I'm, I'm sure that the people there, uh, I mean, they, they have them back there. They just had them back there. Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling just had them back there like a couple weeks ago. I think the people, the owners of the restaurants or whatever, were probably just annoyed at the professional wrestling thing there because it probably drove people away who were like, what the hell's going on? Is it wrestling? I don't want to go see that. <laughs> like people who like are not are not interested in wrestling, you know, just be like, oh, I'm going to avoid down there. We'll, we'll go someplace else to eat, honey. I don't know. This, this mall, this mall, sword. this mall also, by the way, had like an FYE in it. FYE? Yes, FYE. And they had, I actually took a picture. They had a, they had a Kofi Kingston stuffed animal that I sent a picture of uh, to Kofi. Oh, isn't that the oh a nice uh, name drop there? But uh, you're welcome. Isn't that the place that has exclusively the Budio cereal? Fye. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I can't believe they still exist. There's still one in the mall here in New Hampshire, right? The Rockingham Mall. Again, though, I, had, I told you right out of 1988, this place is. They had a, this mall had a movie theater in it. Still, it's still a mall with a movie theater in it. I was I was amazed. I hadn't seen one of those in a long time. Your one stop shop. <laughs> exactly. Now I got one for you, Kingpin, that we were both on. This is a wrestling show. Okay, it was an outdoor event. Some of these are going to be outdoor events because that's always uh, a little bit of a switch up from, you know, usually indoors. What about an event that took place at a hotel 
during a lingerie convention. <laughs> All right. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> there was uh, some controversy involved because uh, one of the um, what would you consider this gentleman who is a part of the battle uh, royal? Oh, the uh, the MSP. Okay, <laughs> he was a husband of one of our, one of the sales agents. Yes, and uh, he was. So you should give the backstory here. Okay, go this ahead. Is a, lingerie, a lingerie company. We won't say the name. Uh, I don't know. The, whatever. We won't say the name. But it was like a party plan. We, we worked for a lingerie party plan company. And this was our an annual sales convention. So it was kind of like you think of like Avon. You know, they, These are women who would sell our product and make a commission on it. And then every year they'd have a convention where they all came together. And the husband, and it was all women. I, I think we maybe had one. Yep. One male, so that's what, I'm not being sexist when I when I'm saying like it was all husbands or whatever, but it really was. Um, so one of the husbands of one of the sales agents who was a big wrestling fan was in the battle royal, and uh, some people were very upset about Tommaso Champa. <laughs> another name drop was beside himself over this. That's also the debut of the Playboy Jimmy James. Uh, yes, yes, untrained, I might add. <laughs> So there's a couple of untrained people in the battle. <laughs> well, I mean, it could be argued there there are more than a couple. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, did this gentleman win the battle royal? I, I don't remember. I'm assuming he did. He probably why, did. Why wouldn't he have won it? So yeah, during a lingerie convention, that is a strange, weird place, I would say, for a wrestling show. I'd say, too. You want to talk about the real interesting story that happened? What was the real interesting story that happened? <laughs> the the ring truck was involved. Oh! <laughs> sure, if you want to get into it. <laughs> Sorry, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the... the um, <laughs> there was a fella who drove the ring truck. He's a very interesting fella. He, I may or may not have uh, known this guy and introduced him to <laughs> to <laughs> the world of professional yes, wrestling. Maybe. Um, we'll leave that you know to be a mystery. But he drove the ring truck flawlessly, I might add. <laughs> Did an impeccable job for a very long time. Always on time, right? Is that a fair statement? Was tremendous at the job for quite a long time. I remember, like, was there, there were some two incidents? They, they were like back to back. Okay, <laughs> yeah, that's that's. What, so yeah, they, so he decided it was a bright idea. This is a rider truck. Yeah, he decided it was a bright idea not to go around like the hotel awning. Or is, is it awning? Is that the yeah, proper term? I guess so. Yeah, there's like little. He decides to yeah, like well, like the, the carport area where you where you would drop somebody off, uh, so they could take their bags in or whatever. Yep. He decides to drive this rider truck underneath it, and proceeds to damage the awning, taking a big chunk out of it. Peels the top like a freaking tuna can. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny to us because it didn't come out of our pocket. Right. <laughs> well, it didn't come out of his either, right? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Maybe they can talk about this on the Photo Pops podcast sometime. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it will quite have, quite have the comedic tone it has on this one, though. I guess not. Uh, so, yeah, that was quite a day. Quite a day. Indeed. Kofi Kingston was there. There's a, there's a, there's a picture uh, floating yes. around somewhere on the internet of a, of a group of fellows, including one Kofi Kingston. So, so yes, he was there. And uh, participated in this strange, strange show. How about this one, Kingpin? All right. I did one in a wedding venue. That not really strange on the surface. All right. I did too. Is it the same one? Well, it's a, it was like a, a function hall that was like... Like Lobster Man in New Hampshire? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think we're on the show together. Were we? I think so. Is this where, is this where uh, Max Smashmaster's... Uh, Ticking balls fell out, and, and, and my wife saw him. Is that that show? No, no. Oh, okay. Not that show. But this one was in, I think, Witchenden, 
Massachusetts. It was and it was for uh, it wasn't for Lobster Man. It was for Maverick Wild. But when I say wedding venue, like a, like a function hall, like a reception hall, it was done up. It was a fancy hall, like with white columns, like with white linen everywhere. All and it was like really done up nice. And to see these friggin' half wits come marching in with the ring <laughs> yourself included <laughs> exactly it was not uh it was just a contrast of styles so, lasterman ran one in in manchester new hampshire well just like the same way it's called the executive court which is a very like highfalutin uh yeah. wedding functions and it was very similar though very nice no business having professional wrestling in it and yeah max smash master uh, exposed himself to my, to my wife and min, and the many other fans that were in attendance there uh, because his uh, tights were too loose. <laughs> I got a, I came back. <laughs> I got a text that said, "Hey, I saw the." Uh, I, I forget how she described him, but I saw, I saw I saw his privates. I think was the was the text. I got. Not his pickle. <laughs> no, not his pickle. No, okay, Michael wasn't talking about it. All right. So yeah, that was your experience. My experience. I remember. This venue, like I said, pristine, white everywhere. And I remember Tony friggin' Spencer busting his nose open and getting like blood all over like one of the linen white tablecloths. Sounds all right. And the other memory that I have from that night, which isn't really related to the venue at all, it's just uh, Maverick Wild, ironically, with his dick out, <laughs> yelling at a deaf referee. All right. So, <laughs> figure I'd throw that in there. Put that together in your head. Let that swim around for a while. I'd rather not. Okay. <laughs> I'd rather. I'd rather not. Uh, do you get anything else there, Kingpin? What are you thinking well, about here? Uh, well, you're kind of talking about outdoor venues, and I don't think we've ever worked any together. But fair shows. Yeah, fair shows in general are pretty weird. So I get a couple experiences. One, uh, we were in like this. I don't think it was tractor pull. I think it was like like a hor- the horses pull shit at fairs. Like do they hook weight up to horses and they pull it? It's either horses or something. So this, yeah, this is a, yeah, this or- is like a so it's it's a it's a uh, arena is the wrong word for it, but it's like it's open on the sides and the but it's like it has a roof. And is this Maine? Yes, Farmington. I think I've done that. <laughs> I don't think it was in the same year as you, yeah. but I've done it. I wrestled Rick Fuller. And the people were like seventy five yards away from the race, yes. like and like a ridiculous amount. The closest person was like a ridiculous amount away from the ring. It was obscene, but it stunk. It stunk like horseshit, complete horseshit. <laughs> so, so then this year I did another fair show, uh, an outdoor thing. Wait, twenty seventeen? Twenty seventeen. Okay, I did a fair show in somewhere in somewhere in Mass, somewhere out and down like I did for Top Row Promotions. Yeah. Um, Rochester, Rochester, Mass. Does that sound that sure? Sound, sound correct down <laughs> in the Fall River ish area, but again another fair. So and we're in this area that again looks like it was probably. It's a pen of some sort, so I'm guessing they probably keep some animals there <laughs> when there's not a professional wrestling ring. There's a, there's there are bleachers too, so they must obviously put on shows with these animals. But like I don't know, like over here, there's some horses or cows or something. There's a tractor pole over here, and just again, the whole place smells like horse shit. <laughs> like from the ring, you could see the asses of horses taking shits. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> the year I was up in Farmington doing that exact same venue. It was raining. So, like I said, it was 
dirt and shit that was the entire floor <laughs> of where the wrestling ring was, the arena. Plus, it was raining, so it was mud. You couldn't tell where the hell you were stepping. It was absolutely a terrible evening. Yeah, that was uh, the my, my trip too. Also ended with me blowing the head gasket of my car and, and driving all the way back from Maine. Like, keep having to put fluid in my car because it kept overheating and i didn't want to get stranded up in farmington maine which is like three and a half hours away from me yeah it's way the hell up there so yeah i completely destroyed my car and you're like a half hour north of me yeah so yeah i completely destroyed my car on the on the on the way back from this show so not a great experience overall great memories yeah i'm sure i got a state whole of maine. 10 or 15 bucks for it too <laughs> how about a used car lot <laughs> well, I don't know. Actually, it, it was a maybe it was chaotic. No, this was for Tony Rumble. His brother owned. I don't think it was a used car lot. I think it was, it was just a dealership. It was in uh, Wallingford, Connecticut. And the funniest thing was, we're outside, outdoors, in the parking lot. The ring is set up. Jim Cornette is on the show. He's working for WWF at this time. So he it's a short trip, I guess, from Stamford to Wallingford. But just the fact that we're outdoors with like new cars around us and Jim Cornette is managing on the show. It was just a very odd situation. <laughs> right? Yeah, I guess. It's, I mean I'm sure he's done a lot worse. I'm sure he has. But, but he's you know, he's in uh We might be talking about something next week. <laughs> <laughs> he's been, he's in ten thousand seat arenas, but uh, you know, he comes out for seventy five people at the uh Wallingford Toyota. Very strange. Yeah, all right. I'll give it to you, Mike. Thank you. I'll give it to you. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, for, with wrestling for beyond wrestling, we've had some interesting venues. I, I've never wrestled in nightclubs before. Mm-hmm. And so the I, I, the first time I get booked for beyond, I, I thought, I'm like, this, this is a nightclub. I kind of knew, I guess I didn't know their venues were nightclubs. And when you get there, and when you understand the, the atmosphere of beyond wrestling, like it makes a hell of a lot of sense. It actually that's kind of what the atmosphere beyond is small intimate people on top of the ring but still when you think about like wrestling in a in a nightclub it's it can be very bizarre like there was a providence um the aurora nightclub where like the locker room was this very tiny 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 little room with like a couch and there's like 30 or 40 guys in there and then um the electric haze and worcester were changing in the stock room surrounded by just <laughs> bottles and bottles and bottles of beer and in this stock room downstairs is all sorts of like mannequins i don't know why there's all these mannequins in a stock room of a of a nightclub uh but just tons of them and like disassembled too i don't know why hmm. and there and then there there is a bathroom down there that if i had to go number 2 in this bathroom I don't think I could. I think I'd probably end up pooping my pants instead. <laughs> it's it's that that sketchy of a bathroom. All right, so mannequins, beer, terrible bathroom. I okay. I, I guess I'll I'll agree with you. That is weird, wild stuff. <laughs> weird, Thank wild you. stuff. And you mentioned the locker rooms. I can think of a couple weird locker rooms. There was a venue in Holyoke. I don't think it's the place that PVP is running now. No, is it the it's the one that EWA used to run? No, I don't think so. But this was we basically changed in a tool shed. Oh. No, this is a different venue than I was thinking of. It was literally like you're changing and you got like a weed whacker hanging over your head. All right. 
you, you know, one guy sitting on a riding mower, you know, pulling his pants on. It's just, <laughs> and there's all sorts of stuff like a rake there, all kinds of things. This weird place to change because I mean, the venue is it's like it's not like an Elks Lodge, but some sort of like World War II Memorial Hall, I think it's called. But the locker room, there's like a little hallway, and it's off of the building, and it's literally it's not heated either. It's cold and it's cold in there. It's like basically a shed <laughs> that they put us in, and uh, that wasn't fun. Do you remember Methuen, the old Methuen venue for Chaotic, when there was a couple shows, they had the bright idea to like put us in a different locker room or set up the entrance in a different place, and we had to actually walk outside yes. like in the cold yes. to, get, to get to the entrance? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm trying to think of other... The other venue I was thinking of in Holyoke, it was the venue where it looks like there's like asbestos all over the wall. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's like, it's that upstairs like storage room that was just full of shit yeah and then remember the horrible horrible bathroom no. and that one oh my god it was i i was pretty i'm pretty sure we were told not to poop in that bathroom like to only <laughs> go pee in there i'm pretty i'm like i'm almost like i'm like 90 percent sure of this that if anybody had to go poop you would have had to like leave and go to Duck go, go to someplace else to to poop okay you know what that that spurred another memory Uh-oh. mike i never even thought of bob evans old school did you ever do one of the tapings no. there this was in a a mill like an old mill building mm-hmm. and just a dirty dingy disgusting place that had the <laughs> most again the most disgusting bathrooms i've ever seen it had like the urinals that are like really tall you ever seen like they, like they go all the way down yeah. to the floor? Like, what a ceiling! I like it. <laughs> like just disgusting. Big target. Yeah, disgusting. But yeah, I've wrestled in a couple mill buildings as well, which is when you think one of them, somebody actually did up real nice. I guess it's 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 a little weird that it's a mill building, but somebody did it up nice. They had a nice entrance set and concession area, and um, yeah, I don't know, mill buildings. Mill buildings. What do you think of mill? But Julian has an interesting story from a mill oh, building. Oh yes, <laughs> he sure does. We'll let him tell it on this podcast someday. He sure does. Uh, all right, we're leading up to our number one worst wrestling venues. Worst? Yes. I mean, oh, weirdest. Jeez, the negativity seeping into your brain. <laughs> yes, number one weirdest wrestling venues. How about this, Kingpin? I had a show at a horse track, Suffolk Downs. And there is a gentleman who was on the radio a number of years back who was a big wrestling fan and also a big fan of hot dogs. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> uh, hey there, uh, Carla. Uh, <clears throat> his name was Eddie Andelman, and he did the hot dog safari every year at Suffolk Downs, which is a horse track. And they set up a wrestling ring. Uh, not in the track, but to the side of the track, underneath where all the fancy people in their hats stand, I guess. Like, well, they don't have like a, a, right. a derby there. But uh, this area where they put the ring was slanted, <laughs> like 45 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> so literally, they put the ring on it, and you're... You're, go- you're going, whoa! <laughs> I'm, I'm sliding down to do a count, and I slide out of the <laughs> ring. It's just, it was uh, a really not an optimal place to set up a wrestling ring. But the uh, <clears throat> uh, hot dog safari, uh, <clears throat> Kala, brings back a lot of memories from NWA New England. 
Do you got anything else, or do you want to go right to your number one weirdest, weirdest <laughs> wrestling venue? Well, uh, I mean, no, I, I'll just go to my number one. And again, I've wrestled a lot of funny. I wrestled a lot of weird venues this year. So this year, I got booked for a top row promotion show that was at a like a campground. Like this is, and this is like a campground, not like a campground for like. Like you would think, like kids go to or whatever, like yeah. that. This is like where families go to, like vacation, like a big campground. So you rent a camping mm-hmm. space with your trailer or whatever. And I'm <laughs> I'm taking the drive into this, and I'm just like, where where the hell am I? So way back in the back of this camping area and 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 we finally get to like this building that looks like it's some sort of like shower and laundry facility Mm -hmm. like where people all it's like a communal like shower and laundry facility right disgusting um and our locker room's upstairs but right there in the middle like on the basketball court there's the ring and when we got there when i got there People had set up like their lawn chairs and things of that nature to kind of reserve their spots. There you go to watch this professional wrestling show. So uh, I guess that's probably my number, my number one weirdest. A I don't even remember what the damn campground is now, but a campground in uh, Western, not Western Mass. Uh, what is, what is that Fall River area? South called? Shore. South Shore. Sure. The town in the South Shore area. I wrestled freight train Dan, who you're very yep. familiar with. Uh, and I shoved candy in his face after I beat his fat ass. Wow. So how about that, Mike? That's not nice. How about that? I can't believe you didn't talk about the pawn show. Oh, is that what you were leaving for me? I thought I was saving that for you. Yeah. <laughs> no, we can, we can talk about it if you want. I mean, we've mentioned it before, but there was a show that was outdoors. American Cancer Society benefit. By a pond. Mm-hmm. And it was at a gun club. Am I correct? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So it was outdoor show next to this. In August or something. Yeah. And it was brutally hot we <laughs> talked about this before max's first match max bauer who is a past guest go to uh, our archives you can find our two-part episodes with uh, max bauer on his time in nxt but his first match took place at this pond show and the mat was so blazing hot that psycho who wrestles barefoot was standing on the bottom rope and we can have another mention of our good friend skunk o'malley who i mentioned last week <laughs> just yeah just last week who uh, was there for some inexplicable reason. Taking pies in the face. Yeah. And, wanted to take and it was all pitiful. Uh, he had said a lot of nasty things about chaotic wrestling after he left there after the years. And Jamie, Jamie made the comment to me afterwards, if he didn't look so disgusting with all the pie over him, I felt bad enough to let him in the battle royal. Because <laughs> he was kind of like hovering around the ring, just sort of waiting for the... For the big invite, <laughs> right over didn't happen. That, that never that never happened. He never got the comeback story <laughs> that uh, his career so richly deserved. <laughs> Speaking of feeling bad, though, the lasting memory is just the gentleman across the way fishing while the <laughs> show was going on. My, mine is the fact that it's a, it's a, it was a American Cancer Society benefit, and there were ladies dressed as Disney princesses just ripping butts. <laughs> so it's gonna hold up <laughs> but yeah the, i just think there's this guy fishing and how boring fishing is he's just staring at a lure in the friggin' drink rather than just <laughs> looking up and watching the wrestling how bad is the wrestling show that he's more enthralled by fishing he's probably pissed we were chasing all the fish away 
<laughs> Probably. That's true. But uh, okay, I'll go to my actual number one oh, weirdest wrestling yet? venue. Jesus. No, but I figured I'd bring up the pawn show just so we get that out there. How about having a wrestling show at Boston's City Hall Plaza? All right. Yes. Yes. Right now, there is a uh, ice rink set up at Boston City Hall Plaza, but a number of years ago, they set up a wrestling ring right outside the the you know the city hall of Boston. It was uh, for Tony Rumble once again, NWA New England slash Century Wrestling Alliance. And I don't remember a lot about it. I remember refing for our good friend, the real deal, Joel Davis. Good <laughs> friend, the, friend of the program. <laughs> of course, I'm sure he'd come on if we asked him. And uh, I'm sure he would. And uh, Brutal Bob Evans and Alex Arion had a match. They refereed as well. And it's just very strange. And I know that my wife is sick of hearing about it every time we go to Boston, which is often, as you know. And we walk by, we drive by City Hall. Every time I tell her, oh, you know, we wrestled here once. She says, yes, I fucking heard the story a thousand times. (laughs) Yes, I know you wrestled at Boston City Hall Plaza. But yes, I did wrestle. I didn't wrestle. I refereed at Boston City Hall Plaza. It's really something that would never happen today. And I think it was before they did the big spot where they set up the ring for DX and Mike Tyson and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin before WrestleMania there. So they ripped you off? That's what you're saying, Mike? They ripped me off. (laughs) So yeah, that's my number one weirdest wrestling venue outside at Boston City Hall Plaza. And what did you guys think of this episode? We're talking about the weirdest places that we've been a part of wrestling shows. We didn't even talk about Fenway Park, which was this year. (laughs) I mean, that's not weird, is it? (laughs) I don't know. There's a lot weirder. There's a lot weirder. But yes, honorable mention to the one and only, the friendliest place in baseball, Fenway Park, right? Is that what they call it? No, it's America's favorite ballpark. Oh, okay. <laughs> self-proclaimed. 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 <laughs> All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Why don't you tweet at the WPAN the weirdest venue you've ever watched wrestling? Or if you're a wrestler, the weirdest venue you've ever done wrestling yourself? Let us know at the WPAN. One just came to mind. I wasn't participating in it. I don't think uh, Brian Malonis did either. But Brian Fury, I think, was either involved or he was on the shows. I don't think he was on the shows, but Chaotic Wrestling, for a time, was doing wrestling shows in a movie theater. Yes, in an actual theater. They were able to clear out some chairs. Uh, It was called Chunkies was the name of the movie theater. They had like a, a special gimmick where... They did dinner and a movie. So you basically were able to order like a full dinner menu while watching a movie. So they just cleared the area out. They put a friggin' ring in there. And, you know, you had the entrance videos playing on the big movie screen. It looked kind of cool. And actually, I think you can see those shows on Fight TV because Chaotic Wrestling had a show on there uh, for a little while. And the official venue where they taped their TV show was at Chunky's. And I think it was Nashua, New Hampshire. But uh, you can find those, I believe, on Fight TV. And I think it's free to sign up for an account to check that out. So check that out if you're interested. Movie theaters. That is a weird wrestling venue. So like we said, tweet us at the WP again on Twitter with your weird wrestling venues with your take on everything that's going on. Interact with us. Let us know. Use the hashtag WPAN or call that voicemail line 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. We really want to get your voice on this show. Let us know what you think. Ask us a question. Bury us. Do whatever you're going to do. 401 501- 584-9726. Before we get into our next segment, talk about booking the territory, the un 
Professional Wrestling Podcast with Mike Mills, Harper Buddy Harper, and Doc Turner. They're doing two podcasts a week. It's the Smoky Mountain Show on Sundays, the Jim Cracker Promotion Show, their flagship show on Thursdays. MikeMills.Podbean.com for that Southern-style wrestling podcast known as Booking the Territory. If you want to go north of the Mason-Dixon, check out our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast with Lil Joe Murata and Big Michael Quinn. A new season coming soon for our vantage point. That's always an exciting time so check out ovppodcast.com to get caught up on the latest from our vantage point and greetings from allentown with pw peter winson he looks at one single episode of wrestling television and breaks it down in ways you didn't even know possible so make sure to subscribe to greetings from allentown and listen to the very unique man known as peter winson a very unique show a very good show check out greetings from allentown and the rundown wrestling podcast with jason stewart adam salzer sal troy ginger all the rest over there on the rundown wrestling network Yes, they got a network, and they've blown up that original Rundown Wrestling podcast, and they're doing shows all week for each TV show. They have their own separate podcast, so really, check out rundownwrestling.com for all the information you're going to need and enjoy. All right, it's time to go back once again, Brian Malonis and myself talking about some good times, some very nerve-wracking times in our uh, wrestling careers. Today on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing on BDA Radio, it is a day in the life of a WWE extra. We had the opportunity a number of times, uh, thankfully, to be backstage with WWE as an extra. And we're going to kind of run through the entire day uh, of being backstage at Raw or SmackDown. And let's just say right off the bat, Kingpin... A lot has changed since the days that we were regulars. Well, not if we were regulars, but the days that we were backstage. <laughs> Would you agree well, with that? Well, I was at least a regular. <laughs> well, yeah, you were. But a lot has changed, right? Uh, yeah, from what I hear now, they actually speak to the to the folks that they bring to TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talked about it on uh, this past Monday's <laughs> podcast on the NAI Wrestling Network. Just look up uh, WPAN. Search WPAN on your favorite podcast platform. You'll find this feed. You'll find the NAI Wrestling Network feed. Subscribe there to get our Monday podcasts. This past Monday, I was talking to Brian Fury about how if you're an indie guy, you're kind of uh, persona non grata. And that yeah, yeah. was definitely the case when you were at TV. You were kind of, you were just a body. Yes. A security guy if they needed one. Funny, funny, uh, funny story. Uh, and you'll call me a shill after, after, uh, <laughs> after you hear it. But the differences of like going to something for like um, Ring of Honor versus going to something to WWE. I mean, um, going to something for Ring of Honor, I, I dressed up and I was very uncomfortable and just like trying to stay out of the way and then and then and then finally i was i was told by a, a good friend like yeah you don't have to act like that here it's not wwe tv i was like oh okay <laughs> so brian yes you're a shill all right <laughs> yeah. thank you thank you yeah 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 because yeah you're the king of uncomfortable i can't imagine the anxiety going to wwe tv let's be honest it took like three years off my life the anxiety and it took 27 off of yours uh i got used to it i was uh, i was a regular <laughs> like i said i, I just kind of hung out with the boys in the back yeah. <laughs> by, by the end of it it wasn't a, a, yeah it was always a nerve-wracking day i, I mean I'll, I'll i'm not fronting 
kingpin on this. Uh, it, yeah, it was. There's always a little tension in the air. Um, but I mean, this is after the days where they'd have live dark matches in front of the crowd before the show. So you had essentially no shot at getting in the ring in front of a crowd unless they ended up doing like some sort of squash matches on the show. Uh, and it, it's kind of very rare that you get signed from being an extra on TV because you wouldn't really get seen. You wouldn't get the opportunity to get seen. We'll get into that in a couple minutes when we talk about in-ring stuff. But... Yeah, it's Raw, Raw or SmackDown. I mean, I know you went to a pay-per-view once or twice. So there's probably even less to do, right? Because there's really no opportunity to get in the ring if you're there uh, uh, pay-per-view day. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I've actually the first one I ever went to was a pay-per-view. I've been to actually, I've actually been to quite a few pay-per-views uh, as an extra, and uh, the only time I ever did anything was at a pay-per-view. Um, but yeah, there's yeah, they, they most on those days you don't even. You don't even typically get get changed because they're going over so so much when it comes to matches in the ring that they don't have time to to look at extras and you're there if they need a, a druid or a security guard or something or or a technician of some sort. But I've actually I've actually been to quite a few pay per views. But yeah, like 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 you said, there's not a ton to do unless they have a specific yeah. need in mind. The year I went to the Royal Rumble, they weren't exactly uh, deciding if they're going to throw any of us extras into the Rumble. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so before you even get there, when you're packing your bags, what what are you packing in your bag? I know we talked about this a while ago. Um, you wanted to have something for every occasion, right? When you're packing your bag to go to TV. Yeah, I mean, I would have I would have you know my wrestling gear. Obviously, I'd have some workout gear, and depending on the time frame uh you either sometimes it was okay to work out in your gym attire and then other times they want you in full gear so bring both um i bring a pair of black pants that i wore and then i bring an extra pair of black pants just in case yeah <laughs> uh, pair of jeans i uh, brought I brought some sneakers i'd have a t-shirt of of some sort uh probably goes along with the gym attire i guess um, usually like to have an extra dress shirt just in case, just in case, right? Uh, you know, but black pants, black shoes, that sort of thing. I think now the guys have to be in suits, I think is the deal. Um, is it? Uh, cause the last few times I went, I wore a suit. I was, uh, one of those guys at TV. Yeah. I think, I think that's the expectation now. Um, so yeah, so it, it wasn't, um, you know, when I first started going, it was just, you know, where, um, you know, wear slacks and, and dress shoes and a nice shirt and um i wore a tie the first couple times and i just got sick of doing that so i stopped wearing a tie but all right so on the day of raw call time is what 1 p.m 2 p.m uh, it varied most uh, like early on it was one and then it became two and then i think it moved back to one and i've heard recently it's like noon time now I think I've been there around noontime before, just getting there early to be. I, I, yeah, I was always an early arriver. Um, I was always there before talent relations even got set up. I don't know. It's just getting there. You're going to be uncomfortable anyway, so you might as well like try to get there early before anybody gets there and settle in. <laughs> right. So when I would get in there, I'd, I'd turn my cell phone off before I even got in the door. Uh, I know today cell phones are so they're all over the place that I'm sure no one gives a crap or maybe they do but I, I i was just paranoia that i didn't want to be on my cell phone and people thinking i was taking pictures of what was going on 
So I always turned off my cell phone before I even walked in the door. But I, th- I think at this time, I probably had like a flip phone. So it was a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> I always left mine on. I just was, uh, if I had to use it, I'd go into the bathroom. You know, I, I, it's, it's kind of funny. I think back to some of the instruction that, that we were given. And, and we got the shit scared out of us probably pretty unnecessarily as well. <laughs> I mean, I was afraid to do anything. If I had to take a dump, I would go like, up to the arena and find like a bathroom that nobody was going to be even near to like even do that. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. That's a shoot. That's a hundred percent truth right there. Like I was afraid to take a dump in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, what about handshakes? As soon as you get there, you're shaking everyone's hand, right? Absolutely not. Like, no, I, uh, I was too afraid. I was. I tried to avoid human contact <laughs> at all possible. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. We had the bejesus scared out of us. Like, you know, and and I don't. I don't think anybody was trying to intentionally give us bad advice. It wasn't that. It was just. It was just you know. Don't go there. Don't embarrass us. Don't embarrass yourself. Don't make an ass out of yourself. Like when in reality it was like, hey, go be a good person, but try to stand out in a good way, <laughs> you know. And that should have been the end of it, you know. Don't be a shithead. <laughs> yeah. For, when it comes to handshakes, I don't think we're we'd go seeking out large groups of people and like you know knocking on Vince's door, saying, hey, I gotta shake your hand. I gotta shake everybody's hand. But you know, someone looks you in the eye, you walk up to them and shake their hand. If someone is in a group talking about going over a spot or something like that, or if they're on their f- cell phone in the corner, I wouldn't approach them. But yeah, someone you know, someone's walking by down the hall, you shake their hand, say hello. That's yeah. I guess it's just common yeah yeah yeah. the opportunity presents itself you don't you don't don't go seeking it out don't walk around catering bugging everybody but if the opportunity presents itself you you do it although i did one time stop vince mcmahon in a hallway that we talked about on this podcast before so yes you did that was after you had the spot with him on the chaotic show right yes and there were actually a couple times where i was you know where where Vince had thanked us for coming. I remember one time it was I think it was me, Max, and a couple of other guys, and uh, the ring hadn't even been set up yet, and Vince was just kind of chilling and talking on his cell phone, and then he and we were across like it was an ice rink, you know, it was a hockey arena, so and he was on the other side, and he walked all the way over to us and thanked us for coming, and I thought that was just that blew me away. Yeah, that absolutely blew me away. I never heard anything like that. That's 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 cool. Yeah, there's been a couple of times where thanks guys, thanks for coming, thanks for coming. Like I, I, I I've never, I, you know, it, you know the f- the funny thing is, um, of the people that I've that have gone out of their way at times to either make you feel uncomfortable or have not been so nice to you, it tends to be the higher, the the, the more important they are, the nicer that they that they tend to be. As weird as that might sound. So once you get there, Kingpin. You gotta find your place. You're carrying your bag in the door, and yeah. where do the extras the go? Time, yeah, the first the first time I went and put my shit right in right in the regular locker room. I had no clue. Yeah, I think <laughs> I did too. And I think I was told at one point someone came out to us, someone on the, uh, you know, on the food chain, and said, uh, "Yeah, you guys gonna move your shit out of the actual locker room. You have a extras locker room, which at one point once was it was under the bleachers." At the Fleet Center, yeah. Or TD Garden, whatever it is. Yes. And one time we talked about this in our sixth ever episode of this podcast. One time it was a tent. 
<laughs> we were in the extras tent. They set up a tent right near the gorilla position in the middle of the backstage area. And that's where we were. I think the weirdest one ever for me was a, uh, it wasn't even a tent, at least because was, uh, it was down like a side hallway in a building, and it was like an annex. It wasn't even like a closet or anything. It was just like an annex that, and there was like a, must have been like an office of somebody, you know, who worked there that wasn't there, and that was the extras locker room. There was no curtain up. There was nothing. It was just like a little annex, and Sabu changed in there with us, so there was that. <laughs> there was that, and uh, Mick Foley was in our tent for a little while. So that, sure was. We talked about that too in episode. <laughs> Me and you six. walked in on him, right? <laughs> yeah, a bunch of us did. Yeah, we were there for a pay per view. It was a SummerSlam. It was is where he wrestled Flair, right? Yes, and there was a uh, you know a, a bunch of spots with thumbtacks and such. And I think Mick was just uh, taking a moment of silence before he went out there and beat up his body a little more. And so he had his and head we were, down. And we were very much like, ah, big gulps, huh? Well, see you later. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just turned on a dime and just walked right back out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's the tent. So when you check in, do we check in at this point? Or we're there too early probably to check in, right? Yeah. So the, again, that was a process that evolved over time too. The, when I first started going, and I'm sure around the same time you started going as well, they just had your name, and you would just go up to like the cash, the like like they used to do like cash draws for guys, and and you would just go up to when I the first time I went, it was Tony Gurria, and then I think it later evolved to like Tim White. So you would just go, your name would be on the list, and they would just hand you money, and that was the only thing. I think I think maybe we had to sign like some sort of release. Yeah, um, a release, and I think you probably signed a um like a receipt that you received the cash. Yeah, yeah, exa- yeah. When you got the cash, you signed, you signed that, and then later on, it evolved to, you know, you'd si- you'd fill out like a a W four, or whatever the heck, you know, whatever that form is, and um, and then all sorts of <laughs> different paperwork, and then even beyond that, the last couple times I went, you got checked out by a doctor, and and now it's even gone a step further. You have to have like a physical and blood work and all that stuff ahead of going to TV. Oh, is that true? Yeah, yeah, that's a fact. <laughs> I remember checking in with the doctor, and we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, that was one of my last times there, too. So once you're kind of uh, settled in terms of you get your gear in the right place, a lot of times you go out to the arena and sit there, right? You talked about sitting there across the way from Vince McMahon, for, and you were probably there for hours that day, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I will say this. I was always a big fan of if you're getting there early, go catering before a lot of the guys get there. <laughs> just because it's it's not busy, nobody's in there, and you can just sit down and relax and have a meal and, and not be bothered and not be in there when there's a bunch of people that you don't want to piss off around. All right. So, yeah, let's get to the most important part of the day, catering. Catering, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you would go right away before you even showed up. Yeah, yeah, I would I would generally that would generally be like the first move. I I always hated the move of waiting until after like we would potentially get in the ring and then it's you know, which it wouldn't be till like three o'clock and if you're there twelve, one o'clock, like you know, there's some guys that I've been with that, that was their move they like to do. They no, I don't want to eat beforehand, I don't want to eat beforehand. Then we wouldn't get in the ring and then it's four o'clock, five o'clock and catering is packed and <laughs> like I was a big I was a big fan of going in, nobody's in there. You sit down, you can eat, you can have whatever, like, nobody's bugging you. It's a good deal. In in Boston, the, the catering room is very, very small. It's tiny. 
Yeah. It's, so if you didn't get there early, like you said, you're not sitting down to eat. And even if you do get there and there's like some room, it'd probably be a little awkward to be, you know, just hunkering down at one of these like six or seven tables in the room with the, uh, you know, the guys on the roster <laughs> might be a little strange, right? Yeah. And there, and there was various times too, where like a couple different times where like, uh, I think there was a brief period where, Extras weren't allowed in catering because somebody acted a fool at some point, and and extras were banned from catering. So I remember, I remember more than a couple times where I made sure I brought uh, a few protein bars with me to to get me through the day. All right, so catering. I mean, we're we're gonna move on, but just know that catering is a very important part. Catering is the most important part. It's because they always had something good. They always had something delicious. It was great, and you could. You could fill up. Yes. And you talked about uh, checking in with the doctor, which became kind of the rule later on at the times that we were there. And this must be done before you head down to the ring and try to work out. Uh, And I remember a time a couple guys uh, went to the ring before getting checked out or without getting checked out at all by the doctor. And they got banned for life. They were banned for life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from being uh, extra, for being in WWE, and uh, I think we could just say that the ban has been lifted. <laughs> yeah, you're banned. <laughs> <laughs> what, and one of the guys who was banned for life for not getting checked out by the doctor before they went down to the ring now has a contract. So, <laughs> so yeah, it was it was touch and go for a little while. He was uh, a couple of guys were uh, probably not feeling very good about themselves, but. Uh, they got past it. WWE got past it. Yeah, that's one of those things. That's such a you hear in the story. That's such a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because like, I mean, again, I'm not trying to like be negative or like like shit all over it. But there are times where the people are very annoyed at your presence there, and <laughs> which I can never quite figure out because it's like, well, you booked me to be here. <laughs> like, why are you so annoyed with like, and 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 not even like asking for anything extra or anything like that. This is just like going through the normal process of what you have to do with them. And the person um, who was in charge for quite a bit, um, and I think um, I think he's moved up now, Mark Carano, um, you know, would always be very annoyed with like having to get us the paperwork and <laughs> um, it just, it was just like, it was like a nuisance. It was like, why, why are you here? Like there was that, it was that, type of attitude and it's like well like, i don't know like you you booked you booked us to be here if you're this annoyed why do you book extra talent <laughs> like i never quite understood that mentality and so that was a damned if you do damned if you don't snare if they had been late down to the ring then they would have gotten in trouble and not doing the paperwork they got kicked out so it was it was a catch-22 Yes, yeah, so thankfully I know I know you're angling for a job, Mike. You don't want to say anything controversial. <laughs> <laughs> God. So uh you change into your workout clothes and you head down to the ring. Uh so when you get to the ring, uh some days on Raw, especially there might not be time for a workout in the ring. It's probably more apt to happen on SmackDown. Is that correct? Yeah, different yeah, various at various times. Um Again, everything always changed, you know. Everything was always, um, depending on if they were, you know, if they were, if there was, 
they were taping, taping main event or whatever the hell it was, or superstars or ECW or uh, I mean, I went for a pretty good stretch of years from um, 2000 like. 2003 somewhere in there till about 2011 and in, in that time there was a lot of different like incarnations of things and raw was always a difficult day to get in the ring because of the live nature of the you know of the show but if they didn't have anything crazy going on then there, there was an opportunity i, I but i mean I, I will say this more often than not i went to tv and never got changed that happened more often than 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 actually getting in workout gear and working out in the ring. But when you did um, and you got in there, who was in the ring with you? Who was sitting there on the apron waiting for the tag? And who was watching you while this was going on? Um, I mean, uh, there was, you know, obviously any, any of the other guys at TV. Um, and then once in a while, different people would sprinkle in, usually a newer guy on the roster. Um, you know, newer guys would sprinkle in a little bit and work with you. Um you know, during the NXT days, there like the um, like not not like NXT is now, but like the television show NXT, right? You know, the, those guys would would be there and kind of be required to be down there working out and whatnot and and rolling around. Um, I mean, most times there was a good amount of people around the ring. I don't know that anybody of importance was was um watching um a little later on they started to do more like organized like okay we're gonna have matches and they'd put guys together um and then you at least have like some of the agents watching and of course there's a camera on i don't know if anybody's watching on the other end of that camera um but you know there's sometimes at different points it was a little more organized where uh people would people would watch um and then they i think they would at one point they were like supposed to do write reports on us which just ended up being completely fabricated because they didn't sit there and do it with us they just kind of did it after the fact so they were literally just made up at that point before you had the organized thing it'd just be a matter of two guys starting to ring a bunch of guys on the apron and just tag each other in right that kind of thing yep just just chaining around just chaining around if one person tried to get in there too much they they'd kind of kick you out of the ring and make somebody different get in or then or, or if they just they needed to like work with somebody you know I'll, i remember I'll, quite a quite a few times stuff gets going stuff gets going and they clear the ring to work with like some of the divas at the time right okay that yeah that happened on more than more than you know if there was like a divas match and a lot of those girls were just very green and probably shouldn't have been pro wrestling on tv at that juncture in their careers and they'd really have to like choreograph the match time's up guys <laughs> clear the ring clear the ring yeah <laughs> All right, so after the in-ring workout, you're changing. Do you change back into your dress clothes, right? Yeah, yeah. I would. I would. As soon as we were done, just get back in my, get back in my dress clothes. You, I'm sure you'd run into the uh, locker room and take a shower, right? No, <laughs> nope. nope. <laughs> well, most times I wasn't sweaty anyway. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no shower in the tent. No shower in the tent. <laughs> Maybe if one of the other fellows wanted to give you a golden shower, Mike, that'd be about oh, it. Oh, all right. All right. Sounds <laughs> good. Uh, doors open. Um, the people start filing in. What happens with the extras? Do you go back to catering? Do you just go hide in the tent? My big thing was, well, one, I'd always like to try to, you know, once guys, you know, kind of filtered out of catering, uh, you try to go get that last sweep through while they're still bringing out fresh food before they pack it all up there. So I would always try to hit catering one more time. And then, 
just I, I like to wander. I, I, I was and I don't know if it was a good or bad thing. I always tried not to just always be with all the other extras. I always tried to get away from people a little bit here <laughs> okay. and there. And if opportunities presented themselves, maybe I could talk to somebody and it's more likely they might talk to me if it was one on one rather than there's four of us. Because a um, lot yeah, a lot of times it was Strength in numbers. Everyone who is booked together would kind of stick together and feel like more comfortable because they're with their pals. But you, you would try to get away from that and kind of be on your own. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I would try to separate myself. Um, you know, and it obviously didn't work. I mean, I'm sitting here on this podcast with you, so <laughs> <laughs> things took a terrible turn at one point. It looks like. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, so I, and then you just you try to find a place to watch watch the show. Um, sometimes there's a monitor. Sometimes you're watching on one of the little carts that have like a little, you know, twelve inch TV or whatever. And I remember once or twice the monitor was actually the raw interview set, the set you see on TV. Um, yeah. I mean, all, all the interviews obviously had to have been pre-taped and during the show where that set is with the monitor hanging down that's where they show the show and that's where people set up chairs and just kind of hung out and watch the event yeah i've been in a couple of arenas too where you can actually watch um behind the entrance as well you can actually watch the um the screen from behind the entrance like bridgeport connecticut was like that you could just sit right behind the screen so everything was you know backwards but you could watch the you could watch the whole show and and it, that was great too because that was up in the catering area so you just keep sneaking food and not sneaking <laughs> sneaking implies that you're not supposed to have it like they don't they literally don't give a shit there's there's more there's more than enough food to feed everybody in the building <laughs> I mean um, but you could just keep eating and watching watching the behind the screen and I've stuck out a couple times on the sides of the stage and kind of poked my head out there as well i mean yeah it depends on the arena like boston you could do you could actually do that um boston was a good arena for that um some of them you, you can't really you can't really do that i was also always afraid to go too far out you know because then if you can't get you can't get back Man manchester was another good one for uh for doing that as well so you'd watch the show and it, there'd just be like you know, random guys from the roster sitting there watching with you. I remember one time I stepped on Chris Masters' foot by accident. <laughs> I apologized. I hey, that was for you, Brian Fury. I got him. Ba <laughs> I got him back like uh, retroactively. Stepped on his foot, and you know, Fury got his ankle broken by Chris Masters. But you know, anyway, that was my uh, experience watching the monitor. Anything when you were watching the monitor? I think you remember one time you talked about Big Show getting upset with something that was happening on the show he was watching. Yeah, Tim White killing himself. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. That's what he got upset about. Tim White killed himself. <laughs> yeah, usually there's not a lot of, um, I guess, editorializing by the roster when they're watching the show, but a guy like Big Show has been there a long time. One of the elder statesmen, I guess, of Raw could just say that that's fucking stupid. <laughs> and he, and he, that was that was like the first time I ever went to TV too. Like that was <laughs> or, one, or one of the first times at least. It was it was pretty early on. I think that was the same day I, I ate lunch uh, and shook hands with Chris Benoit. Oh, all right. Let's just get yeah. away from that. <laughs> Did you talk about anything in particular? 
Uh, no, I sat. I, it's funny. I sat at a table. Well, Br- Brian Black who was Palmer Cannon was there, and he was very kind to us. And Chad, uh, Chad Dick, Billy Kryptonite from Chaotic. So we kind of sat with them, and then like a lot of people came and sat on our table. And this is my first time at TV. Um, and Handsome was there uh, with me, and I was too scared to say a word to anybody. <laughs> so, uh, all right. That said. The night is ending. Raw is going off the air. The night is over. How does it end for a guy like the Kingpin Brian Malonis backstage at WWE? Handshakes all around. Nope. You slip out the back door and then watch <laughs> people's faith. You watch people's uh, excited when you when your car comes up of uh, of the parking lot wherever it's coming out of, and then immediately get disappointed when they realize it's a nobody. <laughs> 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 Everyone's banging on your windows, and then, oh, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, overall, Kingpin, being at TV, good experience, bad experience, exciting, disappointing. What is your overall take on being an extra with WWE? Pretty disappointing. Um, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it's cool in a sense, you know, to, to see the inner workings and. Yeah, and like that part of it, but you're in the place you want to be for, you know, the complete wrong reason. Um, it's again, it's very different now. I always felt like um, I was always scared initially, anyways, because uh, again, I think it was beaten into our brain, like don't do anything to <laughs> to draw attention to yourself, you know. And uh, and then I I think a lot of the times there were a lot of a lot of times there were. Um, people went out of their way to make you feel uncomfortable or let you know you were unimportant or, you know, and, and again, I'm not even talking about like, you know, important people. I'm just talking about, um, you know, guys who are Jags, just another guy, like, you know, not, not either, you know, um, it's just, again, I, I have found there are my experiences that, um, you know, the more important somebody was, the nicer they tended to be. Um, but I, I never quite understood the mentality towards um, the extras a lot of the time when I was there. And it was like, you were a nuisance, you were a pain in the ass, you were in the way. Like, why are you here sort of mentality? Actually finding someone that's lower on the total pole than them. <laughs> I think I, I think that's part of it. I think shit runs downhill. Um, and 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 that's, you know, it was always like a... A beacon of light, especially like once like um, like Kofi was there or something, and I would see him and run into him and be like, "Oh my god, finally somebody who's going to be nice to me, <laughs> like, <laughs> somebody who I can just like have a normal conversation with and just and just be cool with for a second. Um, you know, um, I mean, and disappointment from the fact that you know a lot of times I didn't change, I didn't wrestle, I didn't do anything. I just went and stood around. Uh, for three days in my dress clothes and uh, got paid pretty well for it and ate some good food. But ultimately, that's not why I was there. I was hoping to parlay that, obviously, into a a bigger opportunity. When in reality, a guy of my size was probably never going to get a dark match. And I probably would have been better off go, trying to go a different route to get noticed by them. Um, but it is what it is. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy in a sense like it was cool to go get those experiences and be there and kind of see the the backstage of it. But as far as like, did it do anything for my career? Absolutely not. I, it did zip, zilch, nothing for my career. 
Well, I mean, I guess we should say again that this, from what we understand, is not what's going on today. Are you jealous of what's going on today, where there seems to be actual structure, actual feedback, and guys that are excited to have uh, possible future WWE talents there as extras? No, I mean, I'm not. I'm not jealous. I'm happy. It makes me happy that um, guys can go there and, and get looked at, and um, you know, actually, actually, maybe create an opportunity for themselves. Um, I think we went in like a weird in-between time where it was kind of after the days of dark matches and whatnot. And before like they had this, this structure in place. And um, so it was just, I mean, wrestling, everything's in the entertainment industry is timing, right? So um, maybe in this instance, just bad, bad timing. And um, I mean, I'm different. So I was never going to be a guy who, Nobody's ever gonna just look at me and say, you know, not there and say, "God damn it, we gotta we gotta sign this guy." Or I, I think I'm somebody that needs to make an impression in a different way, not not just like go to TV. Because again, I the closest I ever got to a dark match was when they lined three of us up and you know, and they cho- they chose somebody different. You know, I was not gonna be a guy that they chose for a dark match and. Um, much like your assessment, to, it wasn't a net negative of my career. It was a net. It was a net zero. It didn't. It didn't enhance my career. It didn't hurt my career. It was just something I got to do. So I guess from that uh, aspect of it, to go um, and and see the the behind the scenes on how a, how a company works that I've loved since I was like three years old, that that part of it's pretty cool. But from the actual career standpoint. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I don't want to sound like we're not grateful either for the opportunities we got. I mean, it's yeah, like it's like you said, great to be backstage, great to see it, great to kind of in a very small way be a part of the machine for a day. Um, but yeah, I mean, is I I enjoyed the experience. I didn't really expect anything to come out of it, and really nothing did come out of it, uh, just like it did with you. <laughs> but uh, I, I I mean, I enjoyed different things. I, yeah, I, I don't want to sound negative or like. Like bitter, or I'm not bitter. I'm not disappointed or anything. Or I'm, I, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm, I'm not. I'm not like bitter or angry or anything like that. I just, I look back at it from a career, just strictly in a career standpoint. I'm not talking about like the coolness factor of like, hey, yeah, shit, I got to be backstage at WWE and and you know see see you know some of the biggest stars in the history of the business. This is more from a career standpoint. It just didn't. It didn't do anything for me. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you guys think about our discussion on a day in the life of a WWE extra? We'd love your feedback. Hope you guys enjoyed that behind the scenes look at a day in the life of a WWE extra. As we mentioned, I'm sure it is much different now. But uh, yeah, we felt a little ostracized as extras back in the day. So everything seems to have changed for the better. So uh that's good. <laughs> that is very good. All right, before we get out of here, yes, we have to do a promo about nothing, a classic promo about nothing. And joining us for this promo, two guys, two friends, Scotty Slade from For the Pops and Julian Starr from Truth, Justice, and the New England Processing Way. Of course, this is before those two podcasts were in existence, but Julian Starr, Scotty Slade joined us for this promo about nothing. This promo about nothing comes from 1990, and it is from International Championship Wrestling. There's a nice picture there of the Playboy. Uh, <laughs> let's not share that one on Twitter. Brian, uh, Jimmy will be very upset. Uh, so 
ICW guys, the Savoldis. What? Julian, we have we have what? No, it, it's it, it's for their promotion. Oh. ICW. Okay. We have uh, uh, many fond memories of the, of the of the Savoldis. Love them. They're yes, we all greatest human beings in the world. <laughs> we worked for them in a NWA on fire in Maine. Uh, yeah, they're very old school like carny promoters yeah, if you could draw what you would think a wrestling promoter would be 40 years ago you would draw these two hey there kid yeah so uh this is from icw in 1990 and there was a woman and he, she did the icw teen report it was just for one summer it seemed like in the 1990s and this woman's name was donna d-a-w-n-a and she did interviews and she didn't last very long. And we might see why right here as we take a look at this interview that she did with the one and only Brian, a good friend of yours. We talked about him this past Thursday. <laughs> yes. His name is Saba Simba. No. <laughs> he is the current in 1990 ICW champion, Tony Atlas. So let's listen to this week's promo about nothing. Hi, I'm Donna, your hostess for the ICW Teen Report. And with me today is the Wrestler of the Month for July 1990, the heavyweight champion of the ICW and of the world, Mr. Tony Atlas. Well, you know, girl, you got a lot of respect. And you know to have respect around me, Mr. Tony Atlas, the ICW champion of the world. You hear that? Come on in here, child. Act like you scared of me or something. All the women want to be next to me. You yes, might as well be is. there, too. <laughs> the wrestler of the month. Ain't that fantastic? ICW champion, wrestler of the month, best-looking man in town, the strongest man in the world. What more can a man ask for? <laughs> now, answer that question. Hurry up. All right, I have a question from Bill Albright. <coughs> Bill Albright? Yeah. And he wrote in, and he wants to know if you go out and work out at the gym a lot. You tell him, I do what I want to do. He don't ask me to do nothing. I am the champion of the world. I am the wrestler of the month. I am the strongest man in the world. Best looking man in the world. He don't ask me to do nothing. What's the next question? The next question is from Elaine Parsons. And <coughs> Elaine Parsons? Who is that? Elaine Parsons. One of your fans? I don't have no fans, but tell me what she want anyway. She wants to know what your favorite kind of food is? That's not a her business what I eat. You want to know what I eat? I eat whatever I want to eat. When you got an arm like this, when you got a face like this, and when you got the ICW championship, and that's love the month too. <laughs> you eat what you want to eat. Tell her I eat her head off if I see her in an in arena. <laughs> All right, I have one more question. All right, get to it. It's from Steve Cohen. Who? Stephen Cohen. <laughs> yeah. And he wants to know what you see for yourself in the future. <laughs> the world. The world. That's what I see. Controlling the whole world. You know, I just, I got half of the world. I got the world championship belt. What I see for myself, the world. You know, I'm the only wrestler, the only champion in the world today that don't have to hide his face underneath paint. <laughs> All on paint their face because they're too ugly. But I'm good looking. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Mr. Atlas. We're Mr. Atlas loves that. <laughs> Respect for the champ. We're almost out of time right now, but thanks a lot for stopping by, and congratulations on being voted Wrestler of the Month for July 1990. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Gotcha. 
<laughs> I'll see you later. Sound like a nice young lady from the south end of Boston. Yeah, when, <laughs> when did Enzo's sister, uh, was that Enzo's mother? I got a couple of questions. <laughs> so oh, terrible. Well, well, I was going to uh, ask. How did Enzo say it, Mike? I was going to ask, is there any way that Donna's last name is not Savoldi? (laughs) Because this woman... I can be whatever she wants to be. (laughs) Yeah, maybe... I mean, mean, usually we have terrible promos in this thing. This might be the promo of Tony Alice's career. This was a great promo. It was the greatest promo in the world. (laughs) (laughs) He's also the inventor of what? Because who? (laughs) And he's going to eat that woman's head off. (laughs) I really wish he finished... camera went off he'd probably say one eat her feet oh uh, you beat me oh. to it i was just gonna say i wish he ended that with like now take them shoes off and show me them feet <laughs> pinky toes you yeah. walk on my face lady yeah there's a very strong rumor that uh tony atlas is a strong strong is a, is a rumor when he when he on legends house he wore a t-shirt of women you see shoes. the face he made of the feet he saw <laughs> <laughs> oh. That was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Where's the soundboard web? I mean, uh, uh, it's pandemonium <laughs> here right now, folks. Pandemonium. <laughs> yeah, Tony Atlas. Yeah, he doesn't. He does have a, sh- a a t-shirt, which is his face with the woman's heel on it, right? <laughs> ah, he'll do what he wants. He got the ICW title. <laughs> yeah, whole whole foot right on his face. He's pretty much inhaling the lint. <laughs> <laughs> But any, anyway, uh, I, Do- Donna. Let's let's talk about Donna. Is, she's a, a lovely lass. She's you know she's got that nineteen nineties or nineteen eighties hair. It's uh, fantastic. It's beautiful. She's beautiful, baby. But uh, yeah, she doesn't Still really babies now. <laughs> she doesn't really belong in front of a camera. Can we agree on that? No, that's a pretty accurate statement. <laughs> and she uh, pauses there. She's like, uh, uh, she is uh, Tony Atlas, the ICW champion. She almost forgets who she's next to, but she uh, she won't soon forget after this interview <laughs> of Tony Atlas. And uh, I want to thank uh, David Bixenspan, who actually posted this. I think they talked about this on the 605 Super Podcast early on, but I just couldn't pass this up once I saw this. Uh, Donna from the ICW in 1990. You did real well, Mr. Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you heard that promo about nothing. All right, you heard that classic promo about nothing. If you want the full picture, find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. All right, we're going to get the guys all together next week. Stay tuned for an announcement about what's going on next week on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. I believe we're going to be taking questions from the listeners for myself, for Brian Malonis, for Brian Fury, AMA. Ask Malonis anything. Ask Mike anything. Ask uh, Mayan Muri anything. So check out our Twitter for ways to send us questions, and we will be soliciting them this week for next week, episode 182 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Till then, I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing.